0: How many of you made it to 30 people? Okay, almost. <laughs> close close to it. Well, good morning. It is so great to have you here and uh, got to worship a little bit in the South Auditorium as well. What a great, great time and just uh, really welcome you here. How many of you know that it is Mother's Day? All the moms, stand up. Come on, both auditoriums. If you're a mom, come on. That's it. Let's give him a hand. Yeah. Wow. Way to go. We were we have free sedatives for you out at the No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding you. Hey, thanks for being a mom and uh God bless you in that. It's just a wonderful thing and I tried to call my mom this morning early before I Left the house and she didn't answer yet, but I'll, I'll get a hold of her eventually. Um, no doubt about it, but uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, if you are a guest at Timberline, uh, we really just want to welcome you. It can be tough to visit a new church. You don't always know what to expect, but we try to take that unpleasant part out for you and just say, enjoy God and uh, enjoy Him with us. There's a connection card in the chair back in front of you in both auditoriums. We'd just like to have you take that out, fill it out drop it in the offering at the end of our service. It'll give us a record of you being here. We're not going to come over, call you, bug you, send you anything, unless you check the boxes on the back of that card, and then we'll email you the information that you want information about, as long as your email address is legible. How many of you know people have problems with that? So you just tear off that top part, put it in the offering. We also, if you were not around last weekend, we redesigned our bulletin. Anybody notice? And uh, lots of stuff we're trying to... Just put the the main things right out in front for you to be able to take this with you. Use it as a guide a little bit for upcoming events. And the right side, kind of the backpack of my own. We're trying to help get some backpacks for uh, kids. And I know uh, it would be appreciated if you help us with that. And then the insert tables in the mall. Go by. What that is, tables in the mall, we do it every weekend. And it's where you can actually have live... A live person out there to ask questions, dialogue with, sign up for stuff, and uh, we hope that you will take advantage of that. We really appreciate it. Obviously, the website is a great place to go, TimberlineChurch.org. Hey, enough of all that. I'm excited to continue this this message, uh, this series that we started just last weekend, and thank you for your response. I I was pretty amazed uh, just, just this past week. Last weekend, we talked about Judas and how... The depth of his grief and his pain was so great after betraying uh, the Lord that he went out and he took his own life. And I'm a pretty optimistic person, and so I don't think very often I speak on the subject of depression, discouragement, grief, and those types of things. And it, it was pretty overwhelming how many of you responded last weekend and the emails and the, the prayer requests. So I thank you for letting us pray with you. I've been praying all week for those of you that responded last week that God would just be strong in you, help you through these dark hours in your life. We all have them. And uh, t- today, this weekend is very different than talking about Judas, but it's still one of those guys that has a unique place in the story of Christianity. His name is Thomas. and And Thomas is one of those guys that, um, for, for whatever reason, he had some, some really good things happen to him, but some really challenging things happen to him. So today I want to talk to you about about Thomas and who he was. Now, if, if you don't do the church thing, maybe you're here because your mom asked you to come to church. That was her gift and the only thing she wanted. And so she drugged you, kicking and screaming. Well, we're still glad you're here. Um, but maybe you don't understand the sequence of what happened after the resurrection of Christ's life after Easter. What happened was Jesus was raised from the dead on a Sunday morning. That Sunday night the disciples came together and they came in a locked room. They were afraid. They were afraid that they might be next, and rightly so. Um, It was hostile in that environment right then against the, the followers of Jesus. So they're in this room and Jesus, the Bible says, appears among them. He he physically manifests Himself. I, I can't even imagine how scary that would have been. But He says, I'm alive, obviously. Peace be with you. And then He does a really interesting thing. The Bible says that He says, As the Father has sent Me, I'm now sending you. And then the Bible says, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a pretty unique moment. And here's the challenge we have in the sequence. Guess who was the only disciple who wasn't there in the room when that happened? Thomas. Thomas is the guy who missed it. How many of you have one of those kind of lives? It it just... The party happens and you miss it. You know, the one thing you wanted to see, you don't get to see. The one thing you wanted to do, you don't get to do. Thomas missed it. And so we're going to pick up the story uh, with Thomas's response and what happened to Thomas in the aftermath of missing that moment. The first thing in your in your notes, I just want you to put number one there in the back of the bulletin, is meeting Thomas. Just meeting him and hearing a little bit about him. We're going to look at John chapter 20 today. Verses 24 and following. So if you have a Bible, you just want to lay it open. I'm going to go verse by verse through this passage. Verse 24 says, One of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. What a disappointing evening when he started getting the text messages that they had just seen Jesus. I mean, think about what that must have been like. It's just awful to miss a big moment. There's very little known about Thomas. He's not a main player in the Bible. Um, Later on in his life, I'll tell you later what he did, which is powerful. But as far as where he's born, his childhood, his career, what he did, not a lot is known. He's mostly famous (laughs) for this story we're about to talk about. That's how most people know him. As a matter of fact, his name has a tag on it. Remember last week I talked about the parentheses of your life? In Judas, it was Judas, the one who betrayed the Lord. Remember that? But with Thomas, it's a word that precedes his name. And it is Doubting, Doubting Thomas. How would you like to have that tagged the rest of your life? Doubting Thomas. I, I think it's really true that um, it's a challenge what he, what he did and what is about to happen. But I really respect him. And I'm going to turn the tables a little bit today from what is normally said about Thomas, the lack of faith, the lack of belief. And I'm going to honor him for some things. And I think we are all capable of having a little Thomas in us. And that's what I want to talk about, is what do you do when you just don't believe it? How do you live out your life when your prayers aren't answered? What do you ever struggle with where you go, God, can't you just show up this one time I mean, it'd just be so nice. But it happens to all of us. Thomas misses it. Number two in your notes is this. We must start our journey with the truth that we know. Everyone's in a different place. There is no one in these rooms today that have all truth. Only God has and knows all truth because He is truth. But Jesus wants to start with you with the truth that you do know. Verse 25. They came to Thomas after that Sunday night and they told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now that's why he acquired the name Doubting Thomas. That passage right there. Here's guys who he believed in. He's traveled with them for three years. He's a a strong disciple, follower of Jesus. And they say, Thomas, you won't believe what happened. Jesus was here. And he says, what have you been smoking? (laughs) That's basically what he says. I'm not going to believe it. You guys are crazy. What are you talking about? I saw. Now, here's, here's the part I don't want you to miss. What is the truth that Thomas knew? He knew that Jesus was alive. He saw him. He knew that Jesus died. But what is mentioned here? Why did Thomas immediately default to two things? What are they? The, the, the hands that are pierced and the side that's pierced. Okay, why did Thomas say that? This is important. Because that's what he knew. That was the truth of what he saw. He's not making this up. I love his honesty. And and even if you're a skeptic here today, you should love this story because you're not alone. Thomas said, I'm not buying it. I know what I saw and what I know is the truth. And the truth is, there was a spear that went into his side and there were nails that went into his wrists or hands. And until I put my finger there, I'm not buying it. Don't you love that? You guys, I think there's something really refreshing When we just say, this is where I really am, and I don't have to just be a happy little Christian and fake it. Right? There's something really real about us saying, God, I don't know where you are right now. I'm struggling right now. It it seems like when I talk to you, I can't feel you. Thomas was doubtful. He had lost his faith because he knew what he had seen, and he was going to stick with this. Now, I don't know about you, but I feel like we ask a lot of skeptics and non-believers as Christians we ask a lot of them I grew up believing in the Lord I grew up in a family of faith and I'm so thankful for my heritage I can honestly tell you I've had moments when I had my Thomas moments of doubt and speculation and research and stuff but I've always walked with the Lord and in faith and I think I ask a lot of some of my friends who are not following the Lord to just say, well, why don't you just become a Christian? And they say, what does that mean? Well, it starts with believing that the son of God named Jesus came from heaven down to the earth and was born through this virgin named Mary. And they, that, how many of you think that's a pretty far leap right there? Okay, so like, let's not be too critical of people who take a while to examine our claims. And and then we say, oh, yeah, and then he was born and walked on the earth for 33 years, had this great ministry, did a lot of miracles and stuff. Then he died by crucifixion. And then guess what? He came alive again. He's he's alive now. And then he went back to heaven. <laughs> and they're saying, OK, yeah, let's be friends and let's talk more about this. Uh, it's It's a pretty far out thing. So so we don't need to make it any harder than what it already is. And I think being respectful of skeptics is a huge thing that we need to do. And we try to do that at Timberline. Some of you are just in your journey right now. Thomas knew he saw the nails, he saw the sword, and he said, until I put my finger there and my hand there, I'm not buying it. And I like that idea of him. Thomas was not just a weak believer. Some, Some have said, well, he wasn't that strong anyway. Yes, he was. I'll give you the one instance Thomas is only mentioned like in the synoptic Gospels. They're called Matthew, Mark and Luke a few times in the lists where it lists the disciples. But then John comes along and writes more out of a personal experience. And and he talks about Thomas a couple times. And one of the times he refers to is back in chapter 11. And this will show you the depth of of Thomas's faith in the Lord. It's when Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Remember this story? And Jesus says, I'm going to go do this. Lazarus has died. He, Thomas believes Jesus is going to be killed there. He's going to die there. And Thomas pipes up unsolicited and says to the other disciples, let's go with Jesus and let's die with Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty strong follower who is willing to... To lay down their life for the cause. So Thomas, my whole point is, Thomas is not just a weak person who always had trouble with faith. He was willing to give his life for this. But he was honest enough to say, this is where I really am. My logic cannot connect to this new reality. That Jesus is alive. His brain could not accept it. It was overload for him. Huge question, you guys. Does your humankind, your logic brain power ever get in your way of simple faith and trust in God? go like this yeah, it does in some of you you know, you students who are here in the philosophy classes you take and the people who are god haters out there, and they just it's almost like proves God existence because of how much they hate talking about the Lord. Um, there's a grind there and you're up against it because you can't just quote prove it but there's an element of faith that thomas didn't have and he couldn't just make it happen and sometimes we rationalize and we tend to think our way of thinking is the best way and the highest way of thinking how many of you would just be honest today and say you're usually right about stuff (laughs) yeah quit poking your neighbor and deal with this yourself okay See, you have opinions because you've thought it through and you feel right. You feel justified in your answer. And and that's how we all live. And here's the bottom line for that. That is a wonderful thing. But the life in the Spirit is a divine nature. And a divine nature is much higher than a human nature. And that Spirit, that's why Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You have a spiritual man and that spirit in you can rise up and push away those humankind thoughts and grab a hold of something that is different conceptually than what you would have in your human realm. That's called faith. That's called discernment. That's called a surge of the spirit in your life. And I believe in that. That's why we're admonished in Scripture to not walk in the flesh, the humankind, but walk in the spirit to have a fuller awareness. Number three. Number three is this. Jesus wants to make it personal. And I'm happy about this. He wants to make it personal. Um, Jesus was not afraid of the doubt Thomas had. And he's about to do something remarkable. Look at verse 26. Eight days later, so the next Monday night, a week later, eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. Now, I don't know. I laugh at things in the Bible, no one else laughs at. But I laughed out loud when I read that because I'm seeing Thomas like texting everybody saying, if you get together again, dude, you call me because I'm going to be there. I'm not missing this again. So nobody assembles without my presence. So Thomas is there in the middle of all of it. The doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He materializes again. (laughs) Another thing that made me laugh is the first thing Jesus says. Peace be with you. (laughs) He's just just been invisible. And all of a sudden, (laughs) here's this person in the room. Oh, hi. How you doing? Peace. Peace be to you. I'm glad he said that. Then he said to who? Thomas. Now, we know the other disciples heard this. John's writing this. But he said it to Thomas. That just shows me how... While Jesus died for the world, he died for Thomas. It's not just about the masses. It's about you. He knows your name. He knows your doubts. And the Lord will personalize this. He said to Thomas, Oh, isn't this interesting what he says? Put your finger here. (laughs) Look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Now, why would he say such a thing to Thomas? That was the request. That was the proof. That's what Thomas had asked for. It's a powerful moment. There are four little side notes that I'm just going to bullet through real quick, if you want to jot them down, that I just have some thoughts about Jesus as he comes into this room that I think will encourage us. Number one is, Jesus will come to where you are. We get all hung up sometimes. The Bible says he, he said to Thomas. We get hung up about trying to force someone You know, it's great to invite people to church. I'm for that. It's great to invite people to a place where you can talk about faith. But I have news for you. Jesus goes to where those people are all the time. Jesus is alive and well in a prison cell. How many of you know that? A lot of people come to faith in jail. Jesus is alive and well in a rehab center. A lot of people find him there. There. He's, he is everywhere. And you and I, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey, the Lord is capable of finding you today. Maybe you're here and you just say, well, I don't really have much faith, the whole God thing. I don't know. Christians kind of make all that up. Well, guess what? Jesus is chasing you. And if you open your spirit, man, more than just that human thing, you will feel and sense your spiritual nature could have a birth from God. It's a it's a truth. I can't even explain it. Another thing that I want to point out here is I talk to people sometimes who say, well, someday, you know what, I'm going to get my life cleaned up and I'm going to come to faith. And I just want to say, no, you're not. Because you can't do this without the Lord. You guys, hear me. You don't have to clean up your life to be found by Jesus. He will find you And he'll help you clean up your life. It's a team effort because you can't do it without him. Lean on him. That's huge. Number two, as a side note, is just that Jesus will start with what you know. Some of you today are very knowledgeable about this book, the Bible, about history, about, you know, proof texts of the resurrection, historical records, culture. Others of you don't have a clue. You're not even sure how the Bible was put together, why we should trust it, why we shouldn't. These are huge questions. But I I promise you, the Lord isn't frustrated at you for your lack of knowledge. He will find you where you are. Thomas didn't even believe that Jesus was alive again. And Jesus didn't come and say, you idiot, what were you thinking, saying things like that? No, he said, Thomas, come here. Go ahead and put your hand here. Number three, as a side note is this, Jesus will reveal the truth to you. Truth is an interesting thing, isn't it? And Jesus is not afraid of you examining the claims of Christianity. And, and I, I'm, I'm amazed at how many Christians are afraid when people really are skeptics and they, they need, quote, proof. And there's a lot of apologetic books that that do case studies of, of you know history and culture and, and prove the resurrection as best that they can. But they're still going to require faith for you to step into that realm. But Jesus is not afraid of your skepticism. He only wants you to see the truth. And He will help you find the truth. Here's why. Truth is truth. And it doesn't need to explain itself. It simply prevails over time. We'll talk about that in a sec. The fourth thing in this is just Jesus will invite you to faith. He says to Thomas, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. What was he doing? He was saying, I'm making this personal because I want to spend your life in a meaningful way. And, and I need you to believe. And so I'm actually physically coming to you to show you these things. At some point, I must respond to this truth. I'm going to stand before God someday. You're going to stand before God someday. And you need to make a decision about that. You say, well, I don't believe it. Okay. Okay. Well, you've made a decision. We'll see how that turns out for you. It's a scary thing because this is a reality. It's not your grandparents' or your parents' faith. It's you. It's you and God. And there's a reality here that we better take seriously. The fourth point in your outline is this. What will cause me to take ownership of my faith? What is it that happened in Thomas? And we sort of know that by reading the story. What was that moment like? All of you have a moment. Verse 28. My Lord and my God. He didn't say the Lord and the God. He said my Lord and my God. Just whisper that under your breath with me. Ready? My Lord and my God. See how personal that feels? That's very different than just acknowledging that there's a God up there somewhere. My Lord and my God. When will it be personal in your life? And is it now? And how can God help me overcome skepticism? The last point, number five, is this. We are truly in a faith walk. We are truly in a faith walk. Now, I want to show you something here that I know for me, it's, a, it's, it's big news and it's challenging. But verse 29, Jesus makes a statement about you. You say, well, no, not about me. Yes, about you. He is foreseeing you as he's saying this. Then Jesus told Thomas, you believe because you have seen me. Is that a true statement? He, he's touched his hands, touched his side. You believe, Thomas, because you've seen me. If you had not seen me, touched me, you, might not, you still might not believe. But look at what he says. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Who's that? That's you. That's me. That's us. Now, we still wish we could see him. It would increase my faith if I could see him, if I could touch his hands, if I could know. And I'd just like to say to any skeptics here today, you know, you might not believe Jesus, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a harder question. Can you believe Thomas? Because Thomas was right where you are. And I think you can believe him. Because he didn't want to believe But Jesus showed up and showed him what he needed to see. And so your your first step might be to say, Thomas wouldn't just make this up. It's fascinating to me. Thomas had his wish granted. His examination, his proclamation should really encourage us to have a deep faith. Thomas was proclaiming that in fact his requests were met and he would never doubt again. As a matter of fact, he became the disciple who traveled the farthest After the resurrection of Jesus to proclaim the good news, all across Syria, all across India. I had a a wonderful lady who was part of our Timberline family here who grew up in India, and she came up to me after the last service and she said, Thomas was buried in my home state in India, St. Thomas Church, and there's a lot of things there about him. And, uh, and, And she said, Three quarters of my state are Christian believers. Because Thomas left that sea. How do you go from doubting Thomas to man of God, faithful? I'll tell you how. Faith. Trust. Um, What's the point of talking about Thomas? As we wrap this up, let me say a couple things here. I believe we all have a little bit of Thomas in us. Don't you think? You ever have times when you just sort of have one of those prayers that you need more proof, like you want a physical manifestation of something, and so he sort of tempt God, so I thought I'd try it this weekend, and um hasn't worked yet but but i I just thought, why don't we just say, if God is real, why don't we ask him to make that water bottle jump up here onto this desk or just move up here? so let's just wait a minute. if it did, I would freak out right now I'd just say I, every 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 service I'm like. Because see, here's, here's here's the reality about me is I believe with all of my heart God could do that, and, and He just might just to have fun with us. I don't know. So, all weekend I've been sort of like okay, I'm stepping back a little bit. Um, but it, it didn't happen. Now, does that mean that God is not real? Therefore, we have proved that God does not exist. My theory is correct. Do you understand? That's humankind thinking. That's what that is. You are putting yourself in the role of God. And I sort of think, if we're really honest with all the weird religions in the world, I sort of think, honestly, we know we're not God. Really. We're just not. There is one greater than us. There is a Creator who made us for His purposes. It's tough when people don't believe in the truth. I, uh, I've used this analogy for years, but I think it's a good one. This pen, this pen is going to help us understand the law of gravity. Now, let's just say that you don't believe in the law of gravity. Let's just say you refuse to believe in the law of gravity. No matter how many books you read about the law of gravity, you're not buying it. No matter what people tell you, matter of fact, you have even picketed because you are anti-law of gravity. You've made fun of people who were people who believed in the law of gravity. You've mocked them. You've said they have a crutch. You've said it's not real because you just don't believe in the law of gravity. The fact that you don't believe in something doesn't mean it isn't the truth. That's why the Lord told Thomas, stop doubting and believe. Trust me by faith. Let's pray together. Wow. Lord, we need You. I need You. It's a challenge sometimes in this culture we live in that, seems to have so many people who are just so anti-Your name. And I don't know why. With heads bowed, I want to pray over some of you who have that little bit of Thomas going on in your life. It's there in all of us to some degree, but I want to pray with those of you struggling with skepticism today. And I don't know if that's even the right word, but... A faith issue you just you're hung up on some things and maybe there's you're just it's been a wall around you and you can't climb over it your logic your humanity needs more you've tested God and he hasn't made the water bottle jump you've prayed and he doesn't seem to answer your commands just think about that you guys submission to God is the beginning of of seeing His hand work in our lives. That's it. I want to just pray over you. It doesn't mean you're an atheist at all. It just means you had some doubts lately, and it's it's so good for you to just raise your hand and say, "I have." That's really me. I'm going to do a Thomas thing and say, "I just need I need God to reveal Himself in some ways that I can't see right now." Could I pray over you? Just hold your hand up, and put it right back down if that's you. Thank you for being real and honest. Both rooms, just hold it up. God, you can put them down. God bless you. Church, would you help me just pray for these earnestly? This, these are wonderful people. Lord, these brothers and sisters are, are like Thomas in this moment. of, they, I think deep down they know you're God and you're real and you exist, but where are you? I just pray that you would reveal yourself like you did to Thomas. Even if it's not in a physical way, I pray that you would plant spiritual seeds, that there would be a discernment, there would be an ability to, to move into a divine thought realm where there is a knowledge of You, of Your presence, that You breathe on them like You breathed on the disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. God, that we might receive the Holy Spirit, that we would be more perceptive in our spiritual man. We need that today, Lord. I pray over my brothers and sisters. Secondly, I want to pray for those of you who... Honestly, you need divine intervention with what you're going through right now. You're done. You can't do it. You can't make it happen, even if you've tried. And it's a pretty hopeless feeling. And it's a terrible place. But you need divine intervention. Raise your hand. That's you. We're just going to pray for you. Okay, you can put them down. God, we come to you as kids, knowing and believing. And Lord, my faith is high today in you, saying you can intervene in the schemes of mankind you are there you are real and you are powerful and we need your intervention Father these people who lifted their hand by faith are are declaring their need of you I ask you Lord I ask you to reveal your mighty hand of power and let these stories amaze us of your empowerment in our lives either through new fresh ideas you give to us or divine intervention in this situation. I trust you, Lord. And lastly, for those of you who need to say, my Lord and my God today, I just want to pray for you. If it's your time and you know it, the Spirit is moving in these auditoriums to touch you, to connect with you. He's knocking on your heart. Just pray this with me. Lord, I come to you. Today's my day. Even though I don't understand it all, I'm going to trust in you that you did, in fact, come to this earth. You did, in fact, die on a cross and were raised from the dead. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me and help me to walk in faith as I proclaim my Lord and my God. We trust you today. We give you praise. And everybody said amen. Amen. Lord, thank You for loving us in our doubts, our fears, our anxieties. Thank You for loving us, for believing in us. Thank You for coming to this earth and dying for us. And now send us out of here with the empowerment of Your Spirit, the pneuma, the breath, the wind of God, that we can make a difference in this dark world. In Your name we pray it. Amen. Our prayer teams are coming in both rooms. Let us pray for you. God bless you. Go in the grace of Jesus Christ. The service starts now.